Hello and welcome to Thanks for the Knowledge, the weekly fan by news show rounding up the headlines in games and entertainment in one handy podcast. I am your host, head of fan by media, John Warren. And with me this week is brand editor plus Nikki Grayson, who chatted with me about the new Space Jam, our summer internship, and the Ford Bronco, of course. We rarely don't talk about the Ford Bronco. But before we get to that lovely conversation, we have to talk about the story of the week. A Bloomberg report released early Friday this week did a deep dive into the recent inner workings of Sony, and it paints quite a portrait of a massive company doing everything in its power to produce nothing but mega-hit video games. Sony, for a long time, had maintained a studio called Visual Arts Service Group, which which the company used to finish games through animation work on major titles. The big bombshell from the Bloomberg article is that Visual Arts Service Group was at work on a Last of Us remake for PlayStation 5, but was dis banded recently in lieu of having Naughty Dog itself work on the game. Roughly 30 developers have either been moved onto other studios within the Sony ecosystem or departed altogether as a result of the move. The Last of Us 2 was released last year for PlayStation 4 and was generally very well received. You can, of course, check out our extensive coverage of that game over at fanby.com and at podcastnet.work. Its predecessor, The Last of Us, came out on PlayStation 3 in 2013 and was remastered for PlayStation 4 a year later. It even got some PlayStation 4 Pro improvements, including a patch roughly six months ago, to improve load times. It can be played on the PlayStation 5 right now. This game does not need a remake, full stop, but Sony is shifting and closing studios in order to make this happen, which tells you a lot about their current strategy when you look at the other contexts. For example, the Bloomberg report notes that Sony had told its first-party developers that the emphasis of the entire company right now is to make prestige hits with mass appeal. That's it. That's the only directive. They've specifically said that they don't want to produce smaller games that only perform in Japan, which makes Gravity Rush and everybody's golf follow-ups unlikely. Restructuring Japan Studio, one of the creative powerhouses behind many of PlayStation hits in the 90s and 2000s, was part of this process. Days Gone was a big AAA game that made profit, but Sony is unlikely to greenlight a sequel due to promotion, production hiccups and a lack of critical response. Sony Bend isn't resting on its laurels, however, after Days Gone 2 was shelved, they were split into two teams, one working on the Last of Us multiplayer game that we've reported on previously, and the other working on an Uncharted game under Naughty Dog's supervision. Uh, apparently, the execs at Sony Bend were unhappy with the Uncharted arrangement and were asked to be moved to another project. This request was granted, and now Sony Bend is working on another game. We don't know if the Uncharted game is even still in development. Right now, Sony is in a strange spot. PlayStation 5s, despite their scarcity and general lack of exclusive content, have sold well. Sony's not in a dire financial situation and have made some very interesting investments that show confidence in their future. However, they seem to be singularly minded on making these big, juicy PlayStation exclusives through their first-party studios and leaving the rest behind, which is a shame given how many great games have come out of the Sony ecosystem that I wouldn't categorize this way. Without meaningful broken-down financials, it's tough to see what a game like Tearaway did uh, for Sony. It was unique and it was fun, but I suspect it wasn't financially successful, but what we don't have a sense of is if Sony first-party games have to cross a ridiculous threshold of profitability to be considered a success. Almost every move I mentioned just now, however, seems to indicate that this is the case. That thinking is scary, frankly, if I'm if I'm up at top of, at Sony. Coupled with the purposeful scarcity of their digital products on PlayStation 3, PSP, and Vita that we're all about to reckon with this summer, Sony's big moves are signaling major unrest internally, while Nintendo and Microsoft feel oddly loose by comparison. My guest this week can be seen and heard all over the Fanbyte brand, and that's because he is the brand editor plus of Fanbyte. It's Nikki Grayson. Hi. You got me right as I put um, <laughs> apple fritter in my mouth. I thought I didn't realize that like that was all the intro was. Gonna yeah, be. it's not. They, they I thought it was. Gonna these be aren't like, long hey, welcome ones. To, thanks for the knowledge. Oh and, no. So and I'm John. So okay, yeah. So you've been on three times, but ne- have never listened to it. That's fine. No. Yeah. So uh, yeah, <laughs> like what happens is. Uh, 
is you know we do we do like a, a news story and then yeah you cut them the, you cut it all yeah together. we kind of piece it all together it's like a really yeah. it's a pretty uh, major production it's a well, I've listened right I've listened no it's fine program. it's fine it's fine I don't listen to anything you do either so it's good um, I well that can't be true because we're on like four shows yeah together, I know so. it is true um I uh, listened to the one with uh, what's his name Imran oh Imran yeah 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 that guy. You now the one they, when you say the one, you know he's been on four or five times, right? Oh, so yeah, boy. you're real. The evidence or before he started, the evidence is here. mounting that you've never listened to the show. You're like, <laughs> well, that was a really great interview you had with Phil Spencer last week, John. I'm like, I've never gotten anyone. <laughs> I only, as big I, as Phil I used Spencer. to li- listen. I was a fan of this show when it was uh, eight minutes long, and, him <laughs> and then it fucking exploded to that uh, ten times the size, and no one stopped me or said this was a bad idea. <laughs> Um, because they can't stop me. That's the they beauty of it. What are they going to do? What are they going to? They going to tell Ira Glass to quit having that annoying voice on NPR? Oh no, they can't. They can't. Um, uh, how's it going? Uh, besides apple fritters, Good. yeah. Um, this apple fritter fucking rules, and I'm happy. I'm so happy the dead man is dead. You know. Yeah. Now you. <laughs> Crucially, you mean Prince Philip and not DMX, correct? Yeah, not DMX. Okay. I mean, prayers, prayers up, prayers to up, DMX. prayers up. We did, but we like, did get, um, we did get the bad news this morning that DMX has indeed passed. But yeah, and that's a bummer, yeah. and everyone's going to be sad about that. But on every side of the coin, there's two. On every coin, there's two sides. We, we kind of killed Prince Philip. I think I'm going to take that. I think one. we kind of killed him. I mean, I'd, we haven't. Here's something incredible. Yeah. Right. We on our podcast, considering how uh, much friend, we talk friends about, reunion to be clear, friends not, reunion, not this yeah. podcast, but yes, considering how much we talk about people like Joe Pesci and um, <laughs> have we ever talked uh, about Joe Pesci? <laughs> no, what's that? What's that dude you named yesterday? Tom Pagliano. Oh, Joe, what's that guy's Joe, name? Uh, Joe Pants Liano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joey that Pants. guy. We as much as we talk about like people like that, we haven't killed any of them yet. Right? You know, yeah, because there's some the goodwill. only celebrity that we've talked about in extended periods of time is this guy. Yeah. And then guess what? He's dead. He fucking ate. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. Um, someone anyway, don't step to us. One of those, one of those terrible people on Fox news blamed it on Megan Markle this morning. And everyone's just like, he good. was, he was, well, first of all, good. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. She should take that credit. Uh, but also just like, he's 99. Like, and he's yeah. like, just got out of the <laughs> hospital. I'm like, wait, well, like a stiff breeze could have been the reason this guy died. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's the longest you think they could have left him dead before they said anything? Like, like if if you found out 15 years from now that he actually died three months ago, <laughs> <laughs> um, like, I I would yeah I would believe it. I believe that they just kind of like you know um, covered him in honey or sugar or whatever they used to mummify yeah, tried people. Yeah, to freeze him. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh my yeah. god! Yeah, Paul. Weekend. At you wouldn't be able to weekend at Bernie's him though, because the second you would attach any sort of uh, string to his limbs, they'd just come off. Yeah, right? it would be like the beginning of Prometheus, where the guy drinks that stuff and he just kind of <laughs> falls apart in the water. I think. So, uh, yeah, it would uh, be, anyway, be like that. This is the grimmest beginning to a new, a news interview podcast that well, I think we listen. ever had. But listen, it's news. This guy died. So, it's news. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they they were both gamers, <laughs> and that's the link. <laughs> that's the link. Oh God, yeah. No, Prince Philip. Uh, what did What do you think Prince Philip played? DMX, I, I bet DMX called, had great tasting games. Absolutely, but, but, yeah. I, but I think I think Prince Philip saw Pong and called both of them a slur. Both of the little bars <laughs> slurs, and then was and then has never looked at or seen a video game since. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right so i don't i don't think he really likes video games yeah, can you not. imagine like the queen booting up a nintendo gamecube like just conceptually <laughs> oh yeah he hates tetris he hates tetris he really you can't actually tetris. you can't actually play tetris in the princes and princesses house what's that place called buckingham palace yeah, buckingham palace yeah yeah stupid fucking building yeah, stupid fucking building with the guys with the hats. Yeah. Dumb. Dumb. Their whole thing is that they can't smile. It's stupid. Yeah. Do anything else. Right. I, I Yeah. All those videos of like, try to get these people to laugh or smile. It's like, 
No, that's nothing. That's <sighs> not a, that's not actually anything. Yeah. Is this what you wanted me to talk about on this one? I don't know. Talk about how it's we didn't have a Palm Pre day. Yeah, let's talk about Palm Pre uh, just for a moment. I do actually mm-hmm. I do actually have like a real conversation I want to have with you about something, but okay. let's, do, let's do the Palm Pre first. Why is it um, Palm Today when we're recording this, it's Friday, April 9th. Why mm-hmm. is it Palm Pre mm-hmm. day on fanby.com? Uh cuz I at a uh, 10 30 uh-huh, last night sure. i said remember the palm pre uh-huh. to myself okay and i said but that you're but you hold <laughs> crucially you do this like several times a week it seems like yeah okay remember about the palm pre right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i think about the palm pre a lot because okay. it was the only good smartphone um and then uh i was like well tomorrow's palm pre day okay and then i made a banner you did, and, it and good. Um, I wrote a tweet that said, "Today is Palm Pre Day here at Fanbyte. Right. Are you ready to celebrate?" Yep. And then uh, I I scheduled the tweet for eight a.m. Uh huh. And, and then, well, first, well, first I accidentally tweeted it at ten forty five, mm. and then I deleted the tweet, and then I scheduled it again for eight a.m. Oh, that's funny. I didn't notice. Yeah, um, I deleted it pretty quickly. Now the Palm Pre tweet I'm looking right now. I've never seen this on mm-hmm. Twitter before. Negative two retweets. What does that mean? <laughs> Well, that means that Jack uh, deleted it on his end, and then and then that means someone did retweet it, and then they took it back. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. That's good. Yeah. Uh, why was the Palm Pre so good? Have we talked about this on a podcast? Because I don't. No, I don't think so. Right. The Palm Pre was great because uh, it was the only telephone that like appreciated what the internet could have been. Mm. It was a it was a pretty open system, and was had deep hooks into like the open internet and open internet protocols and standards and uh, a focus on less uh on less uh what's the word i'm looking for like consolidation and walled garden shit right than the iphone was mm-hmm. and it looked better than android did at the time um it also had a keyboard yeah, and they should just bring phones with keyboards back. The screen kind of pops up in a little keyboard. Yeah, comes like out a little banana. Yeah, like a little banana. Um, and then it had like a little touch touch bar on the bottom, which is real. Phones used to be good. I yeah. think is like the thing that I like. I I've looked at my iPhone a lot lately. Yeah, and been like, this fucking sucks. Yeah, like it's just, it's so boring. It like all it does is perpetuate sadness like the screen the things that come on the screen make me feel bad so the device should make me feel good to look at or hold and it doesn't do either of those things when you look at the palm pre you're like that's a joyous little joyous little stone yeah 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 i i Um, it seems like uh smartphone folks the ones that made it kind of out of out of the the rat race which android and and iphone they just kind of gave up mostly yeah like but i mean even android like at least has some gimmicks like i mean like yeah but and, then, and phones, phones got like a little stylus and stuff and that's kind of fun but like i don't know but it's still a black a black rectangle yeah, though, it's still isn't a black it? rectangle though yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah like i don't know like it's cool that like there is some stuff but like it's just so fucking boring yeah phones used to be cool i was gonna i was trying to decide whether or not it was gonna make it lumia 900 day do you remember the lumia 900 no it was a windows phone it was cyan. Oh. Everyone at home, pull over your car. Lumia nine hundred, <laughs> and then we'll car. talk about. Lumia. We'll talk about, uh, or just Google it, John. I am. I'm googling it. Lumia nine hundred. It's a. It was a cyan. It was one of the first big Windows phones. Um, oh yeah, this this is a, gor- before, a gorgeous little yeah. piece of technology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah, fucking. Yeah. It was one of the coolest phones ever made. And then they took this, and then they were like, "What if we fucked it up?" Yeah. And they were like, "What if we made the ten twenty five pure view?" Yep. Um, or the ten twenty pure view, and that thing rules because it's just got the biggest camera you've ever seen on a phone sure. in your whole life. Yeah. <sighs> Dude, um, this kind of segues perfectly into a conversation that you and I both kind of had and inter- interacted mm-hmm. with online uh, this past week, which was that dashboard of a Mercedes that I guess is coming out oh. or is out, which is just yeah. it. And, and like, I need everyone at home to understand this. The console of this car is just touchscreens. Like it's, it's just, screen. there's nothing else on it. Like it is like not a knob, nothing. There is just a touchscreen that runs the entire width of the car basically. Yeah. And like some folks, um, 
you know, we'll we'll give Kaw some shit on this on on Corner yeah. Three, uh, our basketball podcast this week. I will, uh, but I absolutely. Khal- will. Khalif digs it. It like listen, it looks cool. It looks like Minority Report, but you and I both like went ape shit because that, that's just it's not how a car should be operated. No, at, at all. Like at all. It's just like when when you think about what a car needs to do. Yeah, it needs to be able to be. Obviously, it needs to move forward and backwards. That's huge. Yeah, that's huge. Sometimes it also needs turns. to move side to side. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, that's huge. Um, but it it needs to be so simple inside. Yep. That you can, your mind can be dedicated to operating a multi-ton metal mm-hmm. ball of death. Right. That is powered by a motor that contains the power of over one hundred and fifty horses. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So like the literal last thing anyone should have in their car is a worse iPhone. Mhm. To do anything. To do you anything. shouldn't have to look at a screen to turn up the air conditioning. There should just be buttons and dials Correct. because we figured those out many years ago. Right. And and I should be able crucially to do all the necessary functions of a car without looking at something. Without looking at them. Yes, because your eyes are supposed to be on the road, not reading Mercedes-Benz's weird fucking shitty font in this. Yeah. Ugh. And we have... Imagine we, the no- Imagine... The, remember when Samsung phones used to make water drop noises anytime you touched anything? Yeah, I do. That the, This car absolutely makes those same uh-huh. noises in 2021. Yep. It sounds like a fucking toilet whenever you try to turn the air conditioner on. <laughs> Mercedes sounds like it's peeing on you just to yeah. uh, just to adjust the it's just air. So silly. It's just I don't know. It also like I don't know. It's extremely ableist. Like you can't just like ableist. have a car. You can't have a car where there's no tactile. Um, there's no tactile feedback, right? And also like that you can't. In theory, you couldn't. A person might not be able to reach half of the shit that's on the other side of the yeah, like that fucking thing. That's my thing is that like you know I've got I've got like I don't know eighty percent range of motion with my arms, and so I can drive very normally. But like yeah, in my car there is a big singular touchscreen in the. I mean, it mostly has a bunch of knobs and stuff too. But like mm-hmm. the touchscreen uh, controls things like the audio and things like that. And my steering wheel has buttons for the volume and for changing tracks. But not for pausing. Not for pausing. And so the pause button, uh, when I'm uh, when I've connected my my phone to CarPlay, is on the far right bottom part of the screen. Yeah. And I've got to just reach my hand over, which does involve me leaning a bit more than I think yeah. your average person would. And like that's that shit's dangerous. Like it's just yeah. like it is a. It is a silly, weird thing. And that's just one thing. That's just one minor function of my car. And for everything to be connected to this touchscreen electronic shit is just like super dangerous. And it's just super – it's uh, it's counterintuitive in a way that like yeah. I guess the general population that just kind of ooze, ooze and awes over this stuff is just like not thinking about. I don't know. It's just so weird because I, I think – no, I said this on Twitter, but no screen. Well, I I I said this on Twitter, and I, I'm realizing that I didn't mean it. But only one thing in your car should be contextual, and it should be the the, the singular screen that you have in the dashboard, like in the right. middle of the car. Yes, and that needs to exist for multiple reasons because obviously we need navigation and all of that. So that screen can be contextual because it also will give you car information. Yeah. But nothing else should be contextual. You also should not be able to control anything about the car that you would need on a day-to-day driving basis mm. through that screen. Mm-hmm. So you should be able, like we said, to like reach over and do anything that you would need to do in the act of driving to and from work without looking at the screen right? at, at all. Um, and if you're going to have those big screens set up such that you can pin stuff, I would assume, because you would want it vaguely in the same area, mm-hmm. right? Then what the fuck is the point? Right. Like if you're if you're like, why would you go through all of this effort to make the whole thing screens if the screens are gonna have the same thing on them most of the time, just function worse. Right. And then also sometimes not be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> <clears throat> yeah. It was uh dumb. 
It's was, Elon Musk's fault. You go to rotten hell. <laughs> yeah, it is. I straight up. Like, they, oh, like, you're right. You're 100% right. They used to be, they used to be, the screens used to make sense. They used right. to be small rectangular screens in the middle of the car that showed you like CarPlay or Android Auto. Yeah. And that was kind of it. And they were properly contextual. Yes. Yes. And then Elon was like, okay, what if the speedometer and the doors and the maps and the Witcher 3 were all on the one screen in the car. Right. And then every auto manufacturer fucking lost their shit and was like, we just put an iPad in there, huh? Just put a big iPad. And then they're all worse than an iPad. Anyway. It's embarrassing. I mean, it's just... It's it's so... Like, it's just unnecessary to, like, watch these folks bend over backwards to try to, like... I don't know. But I think what's like so the, scary right now, though, is that there's no like clear way that a an independent manufacturer or designer could really like infiltrate that market. For, like, yeah, like in in any direction. Um, it would have like, to for be the safety issue by the government, right? And I don't think the government's ever gonna no, do that. I don't think they unless are a bunch of people start dying, which is going to happen. Yeah, but like they're not gonna be able to trace it back. Like the last right. thing they're gonna say is that it's the screens' fault. Sure, they're gonna be like drivers got, are getting worse, right. and we don't know why. <laughs> we have no idea why. No. Um, they're too focused. The new... Whoa, sorry, what I said. They're too focused. Yeah, <laughs> they're too focused, and then that means that they're like they're overthinking everything. So then, when they mean to turn left, they're like, which one is left? What? And then they turn right and kill themselves. Yeah, they start debating the philosophy of what is left. <clears throat> anyway. Well, left, I mean, if you turn right enough, you will get left. That's true. That's a really good so point. So it's all relative, isn't it? Yeah, that's a really good point. It's like that car- Did you know? It's like that cartoon where two people are looking at the same number and one of them's like, uh-huh. it's six, and the other one's like, it's <laughs> nine. And then that's yeah. apparently an argument for um, like letting racists live or whatever. Yeah, yeah. it is. It's one to one. John, it's one to one. The last thing I'll say is that the new Tesla, the model. S, I think it, it doesn't fucking matter. Did you know that it's S E X Y because he wanted them to say sexy? Did mm. you do you, do you get that? Did you know that? It's mm. really challenging. Like the three, it's it's S, the model S, the model three is the E, right? And then that model X and the model Y, right? And it's sexy. Mm-hmm. Do you get it? I get it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, whatever, whichever the newest one is doesn't have a um a gear shifter. The car just quote unquote knows which direction you want to go in. (laughs) (laughs) What does that mean? I don't know what, I don't know what that means. Like imagine, okay, so you get it, you're parallel parked on your street. You get in the car. What does the car do? What does the car do? What does the car do? Do you, do you press a button and the car pulls itself out or like, Oh my like what god! Do you, what does it do? It's like Elon played the new Mario Kart that gives you all those like <laughs> steering the control assists. things. Yeah, and he was like, "This is a great idea. I'm yeah. going to drive my Tesla straight down to my Emerald Mine and uh, design this out." <laughs> yeah, with my cool tube, my one car tube. <laughs> anyway, fuck that guy. He sucks ass. Yeah, he's the worst. Um, someone we used to work with who doesn't work with us anymore did uh, buy one of those flamethrowers. Do you know that? Yeah. That's pretty rough, huh? Yeah, it's a challenging thing you've said to me. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um I did think of something else while you were talking about the Tesla. Oh, uh how is how is the Bronco configured? Does it have like one touchscreen? Oh, it has one touchscreen in the middle, yeah. Mm. It looks it does it does look like it, they forgot that they had to put it on. <laughs> it looks like let me see if i can just google bronco sport interior bronco um sport interior it looks like they designed the whole thing and they were like fuck the screen <laughs> i knew we were oh my god you're right it looks yeah, like it's, it's just like, been like ratcheted onto the front yeah. of some stuff that like if you lift that off there's like a bunch of other stuff there instead yeah they're like yeah well we had to put something it's, here it's really funny to yeah, me. Yeah, that is really funny. Um, yeah, there's a DVD player in there from Sears, yeah. <laughs> um, 
Uh, but yeah, I uh, they just called Ford just called me mm. f- five minutes ago. Okay, what what's um, going on? Are they trying? I, to do- I'm I'm curious about how custom ordering the car works. Sure, because um, the configuration that I want doesn't uh, exist really mm. on dealer lots. Mm. So I I'm curious as to how a person would go about doing that oh, and when they want money from me. Yeah, you know? at what point do they want the money? Yeah. yeah. So you would hope it, you would again. hope it's like at the very end when they deliver you a perfect Yeah, car. when they deliver the car, right, yeah, yeah, and not any time before right, that. Right, right, so right, right. We'll see. Yeah. Mm. When the <sighs> when the guy did come to uh replace or or uh try to fix the garage door, which he didn't do. Yeah. He was just like you need to get a new one. Um he he just did this funny thing where he's like, "Do you want to like pay for it now?" Or <laughs> And I was like, no, I was like, I don't nah, not really. I mean, I'd like to know if it works and it's good. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, 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 sure. And I'm like, why do you ask? Why do you ask these? <laughs> you, do you have someone that's just chomping at the bit to pay for a garage door before it gets installed and, and everything? I was like, this is this like is before madness. you forget. Do you want to just pay now? I yeah. can just handle this. Like I'll just pick a number. Pay for it now. Huh? No. Pay for it when you know. Yeah, yeah pay for it when it when it get done. Um, yeah. we saw. I don't even remember if this is this week. It feels like it was weeks ago. Uh, the Space Jam trailer. Space Jam. Uh, Everybody here, get up. Here's it's your time chance. To slam now. Do your dance at the Space Jam. All right. All right. Um, you said something that chilled me to the bone. Mm. Uh, because everyone pointed out, including myself, that it looks an awful lot like Ready Player One in the sense that a lot of different IP are appearing yeah. in this film and kind of uh, congealing into a Katamari of Warner Brothers mm-hmm. excess in order to overcome uh, the Don Cheadle's villainy. Um, <laughs> and when I said it was like Ready Player One, a lot of people did. You were like, all these fucking old, or, I'm paraphrasing, yeah. all these old... <laughs> Dumb, dusty idiots are saying it's Ready Player One when really it's Fortnite. It's Fortnite. And I want you to explain that and then we should talk about it. Okay. So here's here's the the core idea Mm -hmm. about my 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 takes on this. Okay. Ready Player One is about one white guy's (laughs) desire to not even like the not even whoever the fuck wrote it. Scott Orson, no, no, who knows? I don't know. Is that the guy <laughs> who wrote Ender's Game? Yeah, Orson's got um, card. Is Orson's homo- got card. That's the whatever. homophobe that wrote Ender's Game. Oh, uh, Ernest Klein is that his name? Yeah, that's his name. Whatever, not him. It's about. The, I'm talking about the character. The right. whole movie, or the and the whole book is about this one guy manipulating this virtual reality thing for his own benefit and like utilizing nostalgia that is collective in a very selfish way. Fortnite is about using the collective uh, nostalgia for literally everything and then making that nostalgia reflective of the people who are doing it. Mm. So it is multiplicative and not individual. Mm. Space Jam, to me, which is already in 1990 or whenever the fuck that movie came out, (laughs) was already a buckwild fucking thing where uh, Michael Jordan, a human man, that yeah. played basketball. Right. And the Looney Tunes, a different IP from the National Basketball Association, uh-huh. got together and then played basketball in a movie. Right. And also Wayne Knight was there. And Bill Murray, yeah. And Bill Murray. And that's that's this that's what Fortnite is. Fortnite is Travis Scott mm. is getting shot by Catwoman. Raven. Right. From Teen Titans. Sure. Those are the same thing to me. But it's not it is it is less about one person's leveraging of all of these intellectual properties to do a thing and it's more reflective of all of the depraved shit that already exists. Right. Whether like I think the argument of like whether or not it's good or like useful is a different argument. Oh yeah, I agree with that. But like I I think that like I don't know. I've I've come around on like what Fortnite means a lot in the last this like over the course of this year because well, yeah, I've started playing yeah, it a lot. Be, you've become a pervert for it again. Yeah, yeah. But it's just like I don't know. Fort I, Fortnite is unabashed in what it does, and I I honestly respect that. Yeah, 
And Space Jam, from its core, at the beginning of the franchise, was something that knew exactly what it was and loved the thing that it was. So the fact that the next step in this franchise is that, okay, let's use the fact that we have, there's a bunch of weird shit happening broadly and the audience is amenable to seeing other shit in this other thing. It just seems like it makes sense. I think the interesting point here that I I am definitely seeing is that like with Fortnite, the, the playing field mechanically is even correct. Yes. Yes. So, so like there isn't a reverence, necessarily being attached to these distinct characters from all these different IPs and these IP holders. And, and, you know, it's just basically a bucket full of action figures that you can bang together. Right. And those action figures are just, they're all made out of the same shit. It's all plastic. There's nothing special about any of them. They may signify something specific to you, but in within the mechanics of the game, everything is even right. Yeah. So in a way, what we've seen from Space Jam seems to be maybe less reverent and more uh, more frivolous, I guess. Yeah. Okay. It's like it's not trying to hurt anybody. Sure. Like in, in, in not in a way that's like that that excuses how toxic that can be. Of course. But in a way that it's like, all right, it's LeBron James is going to play basketball with Bugs Bunny. How do you draw the line in in that after that sentence? How do you draw the line <laughs> at <laughs> um, Gandalf shouldn't be there? Right. Like why? Yeah, but it, I I will say it is strange. I mean one of the one of the weird holdovers from that uh, that couple day discourse is the fact that like in the background of a lot of these crowd shots, you just try to point like pick out who's who and and, and all the stuff. The yeah. droogs from Clockwork Orange. Are that is weird, movie. isn't it? That's pretty weird. That's pretty weird. But it's fucking funny, though, isn't it? It's funny. It's right? funny. It's yeah. funny. It's, fu- it's, it's funny. Grim. And it's I think grim, that it's, it's, re- it's unbelievably grim. Yeah. But it's fucking funny. Yeah. It's really funny. The it's idea funny. that those ch- the, the idea that those fucking dudes are sitting courtside as LeBron James is going to get destroyed by Anthony Davis as a bird. As- <laughs> Is objectively funny. Like I, I, I don't understand how anyone is like how uh, some things are funny, and I think some things are unbelievably toxic. And yeah. like if you, if you, if you're like uh, this one white kid has gotten Tracer Overwatch and Spider Man and the Iron Giant, who is in both movies, by the, yeah, way, by the way, and the Iron Giant, his, his agent so can, is fucking cleaning up this, yeah. Year. Yeah. So he can fucking wage war against this paradise that lives in a computer. Uh-huh. And then how do you how do you how do you not see the difference between LeBron James getting destroyed by Anthony Davis as a bird? Yeah. It's just, it's just completely different. <laughs> I think you're right. I don't know. I guess you're right. I I think you're right. Yeah. It's just like I don't know. Like nobody's gonna I don't know. No, you, Nobody, uh, you, okay. you sold me on it. Like, I mean, yeah. like, like I, I, I do think a lot of, I think like a lot of the, the little things that I saw in that trailer, like some game of Thrones stuff and mm-hmm. which by the way is so fucking funny. Yeah. Like that's, I, that, that's another thing is, that's very funny is game of Thrones. Game of Thrones yeah. is one of the funniest things on earth because nobody fucking cares about it. Yeah. <laughs> No one cares. Did you? No, did no you one gives a scene? shit about that IP now, which is so. Did funny. Did you see man. that scene come across? Um, come across Twitter. Did you watch the show? Yeah, I've seen every episode of that show. So, do you remember when Daenerys gets the gets the army of Unsullied, and then she oh, yeah. kills all of the slaveholders? Yes. Um, that scene at the time, I was like, uh, people are going to think that this is fucking unreal," and uh-huh. then I was right. People did think it was one of the coolest things they'd ever seen on television, right. as if idiots but then it came up on twitter again last week uh-huh. everyone was like we're really sleeping on this show and i was like it's game of thrones it's game of thrones what do you mean we're sleep people are sleeping on it it, it was, was the biggest thing in the world and then it was bad and then and then everyone with uh half a brain forgot about it yeah but uh that's a window into how long that movie's been in development the movie's been in development for like six years 
So like there was a version of that script (laughs) where Game of Thrones was the hot shit. Yeah. Which leads uh, and it me, probably which, became too late to get it out. Which leads me to speculate that we're about to get like a Clockwork Orange and a Goonies TV show reboot yeah, or maybe. something. And it's like, yeah, like why else would those <laughs> things be in the background? Um, yeah, it's such a such a bizarre. It's it's super bizarre. But uh, the original uh, Space Jam, I, I don't think gets enough credit for how strange of an artifact it is because they wrote yeah. in that Michael Jordan was bad at baseball into yes. that movie. Yes. And Which he was in okay 2021 feels yeah. insane to me. Yeah. Like it would be like them making a LeBron, like LeBron balding joke. Right. In the movie. Yeah. Yes. That's yes. like, yeah. un- it, which is not going to happen. Right. No way that's going to happen, but like that's the equivalent. Yeah. And if it, and I'll tell you what, if it does happen, I'm going to fucking hoot and holler in yeah. the movie theater. <laughs> yeah. Like, but it's I, like, <laughs> it, there is there is such a, and I think that's why I'm so interested mm, in okay. this iteration of Space Jam. Because like, you're right, there was, it it was Michael fucking Jordan, but also like, the the context of Michael Jordan, like Michael Jordan was not the one of the most famous and influential people in America mm, at mm. the time. He was like one of the most famous athletes at the time, but like he wasn't opening schools. Like Fox right. News wasn't dedicating segments sure. to him and the words he was saying. He's like not, he wasn't a political force the same way LeBron James is. Right. So like, the the idea that anything like that is going to be in this movie mm-hmm. is wild. But then also, it is Space Jam. It's Space Jam. Right? right. So it's like the, the DNA is there. It wouldn't be weird. Yeah. So I don't know. It's I'm like legitimately excited. I'm excited for two movies this year. In the Heights, both Warner Brothers properties. In the Heights and uh, Space Jam. That's it. Uh, the only two movies I'm excited about. Lynn Manuel Miranda shows up in a season six episode of The Sopranos, and I like fucking yeah. When he's a bell, like, he's a bellboy. He's right? a bellboy. Yeah, I fucking yeah. wept out of bed when I saw that. <laughs> I was like, "Fuck! Oh my god!" Yeah, um, it's, he uh, bit his lip and everything. It was weird. Yeah, it's weird, huh? Yeah, he just does that every. He's got his. He's got his. He had his thing early. <laughs> his smolder. Um, yeah. Well, okay. I mean, I think you've convinced me. Uh, you've Yay. like, I, I mean, listen, I have, I have a weird relationship with Fortnite because, because yeah. it's a one, bad game. Well, it's a bad game. And also like I was in charge of professional, like our sure, professional coverage sure. for Fortnite was my responsibility for like 18 months. So like mm-hmm. I, I did, I appreciate a lot of aspects of that game, but also uh, grew to hate it in very specific ways, but like, um, yeah, it's just a weird marketing tool now, but I do think it is what is remarkable about the, I guess the creative, um, confidence of that team Mm -hmm. is that they've become a marketing arm. That's just basically been like, yeah, you can work with us and put your shit in the game, but it's like, it's going to work the way that we say it's going to work. Yeah. They're like, like I think they're telling, cool. yeah, they're telling Disney, Universal, and Warner Brothers what how they their characters do. are going to be used, Correct. which is fucking wild. That is very strange. Yeah, um, like they, they, the trailer for this most recent season, which mm-hmm. I think we talked about on on Channel F, but is like somewhat epic. Said, okay, here's what's going to happen: Warner Brothers and Universal, uh. Ellen Ripley is going to be in a truck, you know, like in the film Terminator, Uh and she's going to drive off of the side of a bridge, killing multiple aliens from the film Alien. Mm -hmm. And then Sarah Connor is going to shoot a bunch of Terminators Mm -hmm. from the film Terminator. Mm -hmm. And then they did. That's what happened. Like nobody said no. Yeah, nobody said no. Yeah. I would love genuinely to know. Just what an average one of those meetings is like. I oh, I would fuck. I, I would, would really pay like to know that so much money. Yeah, f- like for that to read to uh, read read a transcript. John, yeah, read a fucking transcript or to even 
just be granted access to the Google Doc oh, of the yeah. of like the right. screenplay for one of these cutscenes, mm-hmm. and yeah. then and then getting the notes from Disney right. and Universal. Mm-hmm. God, that would be tasty. That would be tasty. We we hired an intern. We did. Yeah, Janae Singh. Yeah, that's she cool. starts next month. I'm very excited. Yeah. Uh, I just want to say publicly, I think you uh, did a great job two years in a row setting all this. Oh, thanks. Up, uh, thanks. Stuff I appreciate yeah. it. It's, it's uh, not easy. I said this it's to you easy. yesterday. Fucking hard. Yeah, it's not easy. There were some really good folks. I mean, there were great folks yeah. last year, too, but really, really good candidates this year. Yeah, so. I am. Um, I'll talk about some personal feelings. I fucked up sure. this year because I. Well, OK, multiple things. Sure. We had 500 apps, which is unreal. wild. I, I absolutely. Um, wild. Yeah. I should have asked for help when I realized that we had gotten 500 applications. Um, And then I was just so excited that we had 500 applications that I was like, let's just pull a bunch of folks in. And then I like had, I eventually ended up with 28 people out of the 500. And Mm -hmm. I was like, that's, that's huge for me. Like I was like, I got, there's so few people. Yeah. It's only 28. Uh And then two days in, I was like, I have 28 more of these. I'll I'll just tell you this. If, if someone, if my boss came, if Alex, (laughs) if if Alex Lynn came to me tomorrow and Alex, you can, you can quote me on this and said, John, next week you're going to interview 28 people. I would tell him to go fuck himself. (laughs) And just like risk whatever happens to me, I would I would absolutely say that. Um, that's too many people. It's, it's too, too many, many people. people. It's just yeah. too many people. And like I don't know, I, I gave everyone time, but it was also like I did feel like I wasted some people's time a little bit. Mm. Um, but it was really good to see what everyone's doing. selfishly and i think i said this last year um but selfishly a a reason that i like to do this is that then i think one of the reasons that it's useful for us is that it gives us a perspective of someone who is much younger than any of the people on staff right because normally we're not in situations where we're talking to people younger than like that much younger than us right um, and they have radically different perspectives and radically different ideas on what literally everything should look like. Sure. Right. So it was extremely insightful for me to listen to 28 intelligent college students across the country talk to me about what they thought was important. Yeah. Um, and that was cool. And then I had to go from 28 to four people. Mm. Um, and then that was just a nail biter of yeah, that a was, that was tough. of a process. Yep. And then, like, I don't know. And then I we we ended up picking Janae. But like, yeah, yeah it's every every single one of them was like talented in their own way, right. and is going to do unbelievably well with whatever they decide to do. Yeah. Which is just like, oh yeah, the kids are all right. Like, yeah, they people say that, but like. I feel it for like, actually, yeah. Um, I have more faith in them than I have in folks older than me. Yeah. Um, sure. So <laughs> I, yeah, it's just like, I don't know. It, it's, it's always an illuminating process. It's just so fucking exhausting. Yeah. Um, but I'm excited for Janae to start. She starts on uh, May something. Um, yeah. No, it's and, uh, which I forgot she lived in LA. So we're going to probably meet hey. from, have a meeting. Um, but yeah, that's interns, very cool. internships, um, are cool and I'm excited, yeah. uh, for, for the summer. Yeah. This is something that like, I, yeah, you, you've really spearheaded since you've been here and yeah, I, I, I want to expand it and keep doing it and all that stuff. I think it's really a great thing. Um, especially because like I, growing up in the industry, growing up. That doesn't really, that doesn't really make sense. No, but like John, going you, through you the ship industry. Call of Duty too. Remember? <laughs> <laughs> I remember like it was yesterday that I programmed Frogger. Um, yeah, like I, I I think just like seeing how internships have worked. We mentioned this on the last time we talked about kind mm-hmm. of the the beginning of the internship process, but like, uh, yeah, it's a busted, busted, busted. Yeah um way to do things and like i think uh, media outlets are doing better but like I but still yeah think but we're- the thing that i heard the most and i 
this is gonna come off as masturbatory in a way that I I don't mean it. Sure, sure, sure. But sure. I I was just doing common human courtesy uh-huh. when I was like approaching these interviews, which is to say that I emailed everybody back who applied. Mm-hmm. I was kind about scheduling. I told mm-hmm. them upfront what my availability was and I let them pick the time. I didn't tell them when they were going to be interviewed. I told them the things I was going to ask. Right. And then I treated the interviews mostly just like regular ass conversations because they had already done the work of comp- like getting their resume together. So I don't need to, if they made it to where they are, I don't need to ask them if they can do this right. because it's on their resume. I assume you can do it. Um, and then I just like treated them like people. And then every single person was like, this is the best interview experience I've ever had. And I was like, I'm really happy about that. But also I didn't do anything to like make it that right. You know, like I didn't, I didn't do anything that I like a normal person. I feel like, I don't know. It, it's just like it's you're, so, you're saying it's so, you're saying it seems easy to make it not yes shitty. Like, yes 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 yeah. yes and i don't understand how well i un- i do understand but it is yeah. it is so wild to me right. that uh there is an assumption um across multiple industries that it is unbelievably difficult to just mm-hmm. treat people who are applying to your jobs like people yep um that part is weird because I was yeah. like, I appreciate the kind words, but also like, I feel like I didn't do anything to deserve right. that, yeah. which means that it's really fucking dire out there. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. <sighs> well, thank, well, thank you though for handling yeah. all that. Yeah. No worries. Amazing. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm We're, uh, shit's going to pop off this summer. Fanbyte 2. Fan you heard bite, about it? Oh, Fanbyte 2. Shit. Yeah. Oh no. Uh, mm-hmm. we, need, we need to have posters made. Um, <laughs> Zendaya as Michi again. I can't believe yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, we're uh, going to be in Space Jam, says Paul. Oh, shit. Let's go. God, wouldn't yeah. that be wild? If we're yeah, just watching what? it and we see. <laughs> and we're in it. <laughs> we're in it. We're like, wait. What, what I was I was, I was, was going to ask Katie this, but what is the television program that you would be the most shocked that you were in the background of? Like, it would be um, shocking to me. If I was in a, b- the background of like an episode of Diner Shrive-Ins and Dives, I'd lose my fucking mind. Sure, if I was like yeah. somehow sitting in a restaurant and I yeah. was, they were like Triple D is filming today. I would lose my fucking mind. Yeah, I probably probably like Legends of the Hidden Temple. God, yeah. I don't know. You're just um, like it, it just ugh, they should bring that back. We talked I, about this, aren't they? I I feel like they are, aren't they? Law and order, but but it's like it, uh, Paul. Listen, you live in New York. I chances are you have been inside. <laughs> you, you have been in the background of a Law and Order episode. Um, <laughs> my favorite thing about Law and Order, and this is the last thing I'll say, and then we should we should wrap. But like, I've watched I don't know probably three hundred episodes of that dumb fucking show, mm. and it's just such an easy thing to have on in the background. Yeah, um, and you also like just love kind of. I just love propaganda. the politics of that show. Yeah. You know, yeah, like just sure. really solid. Like, yeah, I mean they're yeah. good. They're good. Yeah, right? just it's yeah, like, back the it's, blue. It's, right, it's law. It's law and order. It's law know? and order. It's, like, it's, it's the, the things, things that, that I we love. need. It's the things that we need in this dangerous time. Uh, I'm just kidding. The politics of that show fucking suck. Um, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I love it. Dick Wolf is a luminary. Um, but uh, like my favorite thing is that someone in like a season two episode and it's like, I don't know, a character actor that I recognize is just someone totally fucking different, like a season and a half later. Yeah. It's, it's just like that show has the biggest like who gives a fuck energy yeah. of like any show, um, which is yeah, which is bizarre. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Paul, I mean, just like uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to check the tape. I'm going to watch 200 episodes of the show again and, and you'll be in it. You'll just be in the background there. <laughs> Um, like Mariska Hargitay is like running after someone and Paul's just like hanging out. Yeah. Jaywalking. Have you Um, been on television before? Have I ever been on television before? Like I've been on the news. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I've been on. Congrats. Thanks. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I think I was interviewed as a child after I met like Emmett Smith or something. Ah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, I think there was a second time too, but I don't, I don't remember. My parents have been on a few times, 
But uh, yeah, I don't know. What about you? Uh, Only one as far. Well, okay. I mean, I was in a handful of commercials that I recorded for that were recorded for the Internet and then got ran on television. Gotcha. Like that Ikea thing. Um, But as a regular person, um, I feel like I've told this story when CBS came to my homecoming dance. um, And then a bit to talk about the scourge of grinding amongst children. And then none of us were grinding. So then the producers were like, you need to make the kids pretend to grind. Oh, my God. (laughs) So that they could film us pretending to grind. And then uh, they had our ASV, uh, like, student, or, like, the the faculty liaison, like, because our our dances were in uh, a... uh, not even a ballroom, but like like a conference room uh-huh. inside of the hotel that's at Hollywood and Highland. Oh my god! <laughs> so you had to like run over and like slam the lights on uh, to like be like the dance is over. Like twenty five minutes into the dance, and nobody was there yet. <laughs> That's really weird. Yeah. That's so that's so grim to be like, what'd you do today, honey? Well, I went to a school dance and I told some kids they weren't grinding enough because this piece really needed some of that. So um yeah, I told some literal children to keep grinding. Yeah. Um yeah, that's fucked up. That's weird. Yeah. yeah that's, I was uh, I was in the background. That's wild. Uh Paul yeah. did say my brother was on TRL once in the nineties, and that's how we found out he cut school that day. <laughs> Which is really good. That whips. <laughs> That's really good. All right, Nikki. Thanks for uh thanks for having thanks for me, hanging John. out. Of course. Of course, of course. I'll uh throw your Twitter up at the end. You don't need to say it. It's um at no, you horse. Know, it's at horse? Wow, yeah. you got at horse? I got at horse, yeah. Wow. Why can't you get us at fanbite if you got I, at sorry. horse? Sorry. I can only do one at Damn. a time every right. year. Well, I don't blame you. At horse is a really good it's one. It's pretty good. Um, yeah. Everyone go watch the Challenge Cup. It starts today on the 9th. There's two games every day. You have to sign up for Paramount Plus, though. Sorry about that. Sorry but about um, that. You, pro- you get a month free. So tournament is a month long. So I guess you actually don't have to pay. Go sign up for Paramount Plus. Watch the NWSL Challenge Cup. I think I give enough love to Kenneth Shepard. He should really come on the show sometime and chat with me. But he has been covering the Mass Effect Legendary Edition uh, since it was first rumored, he's been waiting for its announcement, was very excited when it was. And so you can go over to fanbyte.com right now and check out a, an article uh, released this week about all of the differences to gameplay made to Mass Effect Legendary Edition. I'm not going to read you the exhaustive list, but I am going to read you quite a bit of it and explain why it's important. Um, today, or sorry, not today, but this week, BioWare did break down several uh, major changes to the original Mass Effect game. Now, uh, just so folks know, if they've never played the trilogy, Mass Effect 2 and 3 were pretty polished cover shooters, I would say. They aren't perfect, and, and they're still pretty clunky, um, especially you know as they age. But Mass Effect 1 really was a lot clunkier uh, as far as a shooter goes. It was really more of an action RPG that relied a lot on kind of like stat boost and things like that uh, in order to turn the tides of these battles. And it wasn't super tactical. Um, And so they've made some changes to the original Mass Effect to reflect uh, a more similar experience to Mass Effect 2 and 3. So Things like, you know, you can now sprint out of combat in Mass Effect 1. Uh, melee attacks are mapped to an actual button in, instead of just automatically happening when you're close to someone. That's a pretty major one. Uh, like a lot of the weapon handling has been uh, improved. Uh, enemies will take headshot damage. So in the first game, like a lot of them just didn't because it was based on uh, statistical kind of RPG based uh, uh, dice rolls in these moments instead of, um, you know, actually having tactical uh, elements to them. Um, weapons can be used by any class without penalty, uh, which like kind of pulls away from some of the role playing, but makes it feel a lot more uh, tactical and, and closer to Mass Effect 2 and 3. Uh, there are a lot of like quality of life improvements made to the inventory management, uh, which I would 
uh, I think generously described as clunky in the first game, uh, which is good that they're uh, improving that. Uh, your squad mates, you have two of them uh, at any given time. They can be controlled and commanded, into, not controlled, but they can be commanded independently of each other, uh, which you can't really do in the first game. In the first game, you basically tell your squad mates what to do and they kind of do the same thing. You can't individually tell them what to do. Um, and then like, you know, some of the boss fights that we, uh, that you would encounter in the original mass effect were pretty punitive, pretty difficult, pretty tough to pin down in terms of like why you would fail and why things were really difficult. And they've, uh, scaled back. I think that they describe things as still being challenging while being fair. Uh, and also cover taking cover in the first game is now going to be, uh, easier, more reliable in terms of entering and exiting cover. Uh, often what would happen in the original game is you would try to take cover and then uh, end up just kind of running past the cover. Uh, and then, you know, you're in the middle of a firefight and you get killed. Uh, yeah, pretty wild. So there's there's that stuff. Uh, the big, <laughs> I think, listen, I think Mass Effect, the original game, is the best of the trilogy. Don't at me. We don't have to have a big conversation about it. I just think it's the best. Uh, in terms of world building and setting the stage of a really cool epic story. However, uh, one thing that most folks look at as being like the thing that is terrible about the original Mass Effect is the Mako. The Mako is the uh, all-terrain vehicle that you use to explore all the barren and uh, all the barren planets that you visit in the game. Uh, this little truck is akin to like trying to climb a mountain in a Todd Howard game, right? So it was not always the most easy to use, easy to navigate, but they've improved handling in the, in the legendary edition. They've improved the camera controls while you're in the Mako. They've got uh, new thrusters for speed boost to kind of get you up some of the thresholds that are tough to do. Shields recharge faster. Uh, you used to have it an experience penalty for when you're in your uh, make in the Mako vehicle and you would kill an enemy, you would get less experience for that because it was easier to kill enemies because the guns on the tank are more powerful. Well, they've gotten rid of that now. So it, you just don't have a penalty, which is nice. And then if you touch lava, which I think was only really an issue in one area, uh, you would immediately die and it was really easy to, to screw up. So They've changed that and now you'll basically just take damage and all that stuff. Um, the other the other really cool stuff is a unified launcher for all three games, um, which like will save your settings across the games. You don't have to like retweak a bunch of stuff when you start. Uh, there are some updated character creator options uh, and and that's really awesome. Um, there have been, uh, like new achievements added there have, they've integrated all the weapons and DLC packs from the original trilogy and made sure that those are easy to, to navigate. Um, and yeah, uh, the, the unified, uh, character creator is very, very cool. Um, you don't have to go in and, and change anything after you make your character once, uh, your shepherd will look the same across all three games. Uh, and that's going to be, I think a really, really big deal. Uh, that was like a, a really big thing for, uh, the first trilogy, but you had to like retain saves across many games. And that was, uh, sometimes a cumbersome experience that didn't always work perfectly. So, uh, they've got that figured out, which is great. Um, the really big thing is in mass effect three, there was a multiplayer game, uh, packaged in which you had to actually play. And it was actually pretty good, but you had to actually play it. Uh, a lot to unlock the best possible outcomes uh, on uh, the actual single player mode of Mass Effect 3, which was really controversial, as you might imagine. Uh, you also had an app that you could use to boost some of these probabilities of getting like more experience and adding to your readiness to take on the final battle, right? So uh, that was a pretty unpopular choice, although you know a lot of people look back at the multiplayer with some fondness. Uh, the really cool thing is that they basically taken that requirement out. However, uh, playing through the uh, the trilogy, like playing as much of the trilogy as possible, actually contributes to your your readiness. You can achieve 100% readiness while just playing Mass Effect Three, but you have to play like a ton of it. You have to like do every single side quest, like every single little piece of exploration that you can do in order to get a, 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 a full score there. Uh, otherwise, if you just play Mass Effect 1 and 2 and then get to 3, your readiness is already at a pretty good spot. So that's the really 
big change that I think people were curious about. Um, and yeah, if you like uh, Mass Effect and you're interested in the Mass Effect trilogy and especially the Legendary Edition, you should listen to 99 Potions, our wonderful uh, RPG podcast with Natalie Flores and Steven Strom and myself. Uh, we talk about RPGs every week. Uh, we're going to be talking about Mass Effect a lot over the next month. Uh, so if you are interested in getting to learn more about this series and hang out with uh, some fun folks about uh, while we talk about that stuff, uh, you should definitely go do that. 99 Potions is the name of the podcast. Uh, the Legendary Edition is going to be out on May 14th for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, P- PC, and it will receive some technical updates for PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X and S. I think we should finish this week with a bit of a roundup, shall we? Uh, Deathloop is one of my most anticipated games for 2021. Uh, Arcane Studios has been at the top of their game for about 10 years now, with Dishonored, Dishonored 2, Dishonored, Death of the Outsider, and of course, Prey, one of uh, Editor-in-Chief Daniel Riondo's most favorite games of all time. Uh, Deathloop is uh, another one of theirs, and it looks incredible. We've talked about it before. Uh, you probably know about it. It looks really cool. It was supposed to come out in the summer. However, Arcane uh, released a statement this week. Quote, we've made the decision to delay the launch of Deathloop to September 14th, 2021. We're committed to quality and preserving our team's ambitions for Deathloop while ensuring the health and safety of everyone at Arcane. We'll be using this extra time to accomplish our goal, create a fun, stylish, and mind-bending player experience. We apologize for the extended wait and, and thank you all for your passion and excitement. It is the fuel that powers our creativity and hard work. We can't wait to show you more Deathloop soon uh this has been the second time it's been delayed uh it had been delayed previously out of i think it was the end of last year 2020 uh, to may 21st uh obviously the coronavirus caused a ton of havoc in the games industry and death loop was no exception and now it seems like there are still a lot of issues and uh it's understandable that this is uh, being delayed again but it looks super good no matter when it comes out uh, i'm super excited about it E3, (laughs) Electronic Entertainment Expo. Uh, Last year, it was basically disbanded, created a weird, uh, massive explosion of individual presentations uh, that some people think are cool. I kind of think they aren't after having a year of them, but it's fine. The alternative is having E3, and now E3 2021 will occur. It will not be a physical event, uh, but it is going to be a digital event, and it's going to have several partners um, that uh, have been announced this week. Uh, So it'll be uh, the E3 2021 digital-based event. Uh, It'll be June 12th to 15th. A lot of companies have been signed on to do presentations, announcements, things like that. Nintendo, Xbox, Capcom, Konami, Ubisoft, Take-Two, Warner Brothers and Coke Media are all signed up to take part in E3 2021. Uh, EA and Sony, who have been uh, pretty uh, pretty busy with their own individual presentations, are not going to participate at least at this point in uh, in the in the, in the year. They have not announced that they're going to be part of this. So uh, Sony will probably continue to do state of plays. Uh, EA will probably continue to do EA plays. Uh, what's curious about Microsoft and Nintendo joining is that they've also been very very busy with their own individual presentations, but something maybe money. I don't know. <laughs> That's just speculation. I uh, got them to sign up for E3 2021. Uh, we really do not know what this means for the future of E3. If it's going to be a physical event ever again. And there are a lot of reasons why I would hope it maybe doesn't come back. But then again, it uh, has been pr- nicer previously to have everything kind of in one place instead of having an individual show every few weeks for a calendar year. Don't Nod, the studio behind the uh, Life is Strange series, uh, is actually expanding right now into a publishing business. And they're starting uh, with a project by Copenhagen-based studio Portaplay. Um, they hold the rights to the game's IP that is being uh, produced or co-producing it with the studio. No real details about what the project is, besides the fact that it is associated with the new publishing agreement. Um, as a result, Don't Nod released this statement uh, about 
without being a publisher. Quote, as a publisher, we want to offer players experiences that are both accessible to the wider audience while setting the bar high regarding themes and quality of design. Uh, from our first discussions with Portaplay, it became clear to us that co-producing and publishing this original creation would allow us to expand our portfolio with a game complementary to our in-house productions while remaining true to our DNA. We will be able to bring to our partner with our know-how and our knowledge of the market in line with our community's expectations. We feel called to work on games with meaning. Games combining solid game mechanics and storytelling about individuals in crisis situations, tackling moral dilemmas. Uh, this new partnership is thus a great opportunity to us. Not only does it give us an give us the opportunity to communicate with all the fans of Don't Nod's fantastic catalog of games, but it also allows us to work with some of the best minds in this field to help us improve our game and give the players the greatest experience possible. End quote. Uh, Don't Nod has been making other moves in the past year or so. They did found another studio based in Montreal that's dedicated to new IP. Uh, as far as the Life is Strange studio, a Deck 9, another studio is actually developing the next Life is Strange game called True Colors, which we've talked about before on this show. Finally, the follow-up to The World Ends With You called Neo, The World Ends With You, got a new trailer this week, and it is also getting a release date. Uh, which should excite a lot of folks. And it also announced a PC version of the game as well as Nintendo Switch and PlayStation 4. That release date is July 27th. That's very exciting. Uh, the PC version does not have, uh, does not share that release date. It's actually uh, summer 2021, and it is a exclusive to the Epic Game Store uh, from everything we can tell, just like the Kingdom Hearts PC ports. So yeah, Neo Tui is uh, just around the bend, July 27th. That's going to do it for this week's show. I want to thank Nikki Grayson for hanging out with me. It's always fun to talk to Nikki. Nikki and I, are, we have good chemistry. I'm, I'm ready to admit that now. I'm finally ready to admit that Nicholas Grayson and I have good chemistry on the microphone. If you want to check out uh, Nikki's great Twitter account, you can do so over at Godsua. That's G-O-D-S-E-W-A. Uh, also, he has a bunch of podcasts and he runs a bunch of our streams. You can check out all of our podcasts at podcastnet.work. You can also go to our store, which Nikki manages over at store.fanbyte.com. Uh, and until next week, uh, you're welcome. 